Thank you for listening to the Lucy Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about us or to find other sermons and resources from us, visit our website at lucybaptist.com. celebrate the most fantastic fact of history, the glorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I invite you to turn your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're going to begin our reading this morning and our message from Luke 24 verses 13 through verse 35. The first part of Luke chapter 1, or 24 rather, beginning in verse 1, records the Luke's account of the resurrection of Jesus. It's wonderful to take all the accounts of the resurrection and read them as, as God inspired these different writers to give us different aspects to uh, the story of the resurrection. This particular part is recorded, we're going to be looking for our text today, is recorded only in the Gospel of Luke. It's a wonderful story, one of my favorite in all the Word of God, and we learn much from this wonderful passage of Scripture. Luke 24, we'll begin reading with verse 13 through verse 35. That very day, two of them were going to the village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures 
to us the Scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And from this text today, I'll bring a message entitled, Hope Restored Through the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's once again join our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day that we celebrate again anew and afresh, although really every Sunday is a, is a Lord's Day. Every day is a resurrection day. We thank you for the living Lord Jesus. Thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture that records uh, the, the walk to Emmaus. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you reveal to them and all that you reveal to us in this wonderful passage of Scripture. We pray now, Lord, that you will just give us the special uh, enabling of the Holy Spirit, the illumination of the Holy Spirit to understand this text, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit to preach this text. And God, we pray that you will be with our listeners today, be with our church family today, speak to their hearts through the Word of God. And Father, I thank you today that the same Word, Lord, the same living Lord Jesus is alive with us today. And we thank you that the same Holy Spirit who inspired all the Scripture is with us today. And I pray today that our hearts will burn as we hear the Word of God and as we recognize the living Lord Jesus in our midst today. Be glorified. Speak to those today, Father, who perhaps have, have uh, had hope shattered in their hearts and lives, and they need to know the true hope that comes through the living Lord Jesus. Speak to us and through us today for your glory. And Lord, again, we would even pray now for those who do not know Christ, that you would awaken their hearts to their need for Jesus, that you would call them to repentance and faith, that they may respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. Has your hope ever been shattered? I read a story just yesterday of a, a, a single mother who had uh, begun to try to get out of the desperate situation that she was in. She and her children were living in a hotel, and they had, uh, she'd gotten a job at a restaurant, and she'd begun working, and, but then the COVID-19 virus hit, and she was left uh, without a job. And she was now found herself jobless, and the, the tax return that she received in the mail she had to use to pay her, uh, t her hotel bill, and so she was left with shattered hope. Many people today have shattered hope. Well, again, the, the story we're reading about today and that we've read about these disciples were people of shattered hope. The disciples had big hopes and big dreams for Jesus and for their reigning Messiah. Some of them had even pictured themselves of being a part of his leadership team, if you will, in his kingdom. But then it all fell apart. Betrayed by one of his own, one of their own, who had betrayed him to the Jewish leaders who uh, then sent him to be crucified by the, the Romans. Their hopes were shattered. Well, as we read our accounts in the New Testament and the Gospels, we find that after the resurrection, Jesus remained upon the earth for a period of 40 days. 
He would just appear to them on, uh, on special occasions. There were 10 appearances. Jesus was preparing his disciples for preparing us as a church for his continued presence uh, with us. But again, he made these record these visits, and one of them, in fact, the first one recorded to us here in Luke is on this later, later, later in this, on Sunday here when these two disciples were on the road to Emmaus. Emmaus was a small village about seven miles from Jerusalem. Luke, as we said, is the only writer to record this event, this very important event. They were on their way home from the Passover meal, and yet they were really sad. As they walked home, it was as if though they were walking home uh, and, and, and quitting, if you will, and so discouraged about what had happened in the death of the Lord Jesus. And some believe this walk from, uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus may have lasted for about two hours. And, uh, but what happened on this road was a, uh, has tremendous implications not only to the way we live our lives, but to the way we read and understand and study our Bibles. So I want you to look with me at this story that tells about, again, hope being restored through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and see three truths. Notice, first of all, that Jesus exposes the condition of shattered hope. Again, these two disciples were walking along on this road and, and, uh, and, and about all that had happened in the last few days. And, uh, and as they were talking, the resurrected Jesus just uh, stepped up and started walking with them in the middle of their conversation. But as we note in the text, God prevented them from being able to recognize that this was the Lord Jesus. They didn't realize it was him. Again, verse 17, we see that Jesus asked them what they were talking about. You've had this kind of experience as they were talking along, and, and Jesus asking them what they were talking about. Uh, again, they, the Bible says they stood still looking sad. The word sad here uh, could be translated puzzled, shocked, or surprised. They were shocked. They were so shocked they stopped and again uh, re re responded to the Lord Jesus. They were shocked that this stranger hadn't heard about the death of Jesus and all that had taken place. The second part of verse 18 says, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened during these days? Again, verse 19, Jesus further exposing their hearts, asked them, What things? So again, they in verse, the latter part of that verse, verse 19 and following on through verse 20, we see uh, their response. Again, Jesus responded. Uh, they began to respond and explain what had been happening. They were telling Jesus all about what Jesus had done. They said concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. They gave an accurate account of the life and ministry and death of Jesus, at least in brief. But then notice verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, now is the third day since these things have happened. So they, they revealed, really, their unbiblical expectations. They said, but we had hoped. The verb tense implies that they had hoped, but they were no longer 
hoping. You see, their hopes were shattered. In reality, they were disappointed in Jesus. They were hoping he was going to redeem Israel. The word redeem here means to to pay a price to gain the freedom of a slave. But their expectation was for political liberty from the Roman domination. But in reality, Jesus did exactly what he came to do. He did redeem them from sin. He came to to free sinners from slavery to sin and death as they turned from their sin and put their faith and trust in Christ. Jesus did exactly what he came to do. Mark 10, 45 records, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Again, we see in verses 22 to 24 there that they, they, they told Jesus about their amazement by the women's story, who have, have, having seen the empty tomb and, and seeing and hearing the, the angels who reported to them that Jesus was alive, even though they described that some of the disciples had gone to the empty tomb and they did confirm it to be empty, but they hadn't seen Jesus at that point. And again, the implication was that they doubted the story, as did the disciples. Jesus was exposing another characteristic of their their condition, unbelief and doubt. We often pick on Thomas as the one who would not believe uh, the resurrection of Jesus until he saw him, until he felt the nails, uh, nail scars in his hands and in his side. But these Disciples didn't believe. None of the disciples really believed that Jesus had risen until they saw him for themselves. The angels had reminded the women at the empty tomb, as we see even in this uh, earlier passage, that Jesus had told them that he would rise. In 24, 5 through 8, notice what was given to us in that passage. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground... The men, the angels, said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. You see, the, 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 these disciples of Jesus should have believed that Jesus was alive, not merely because of the report of the women, not, and not even merely because of the report of the angels, but because of the word of Jesus. Jesus had told them that he would rise again. It was Jesus' word that should have turned their doubt into faith. Have you ever been, or are you now, like these disciples disappointed with God? Could it be that your disappointment is because you have believed unbiblical things about God or about the Lord Jesus? You've tried maybe to fit God into your own concepts, into your own mold and, and thought, your own theology, if you will. That's a biblical definition of idolatry, making your own God. That's exactly really what they we're doing. Could it be that God is even using things, the circumstances we find ourselves in right now, to expose our unbiblical expectations, our doubt, 
and our unbelief. So Jesus exposes, again, that that disappointment, that shattered hope, if you will. But notice second, Jesus reveals the cause of shattered hope. We see that in verses 25 through 26. Again, with his identity still uh, not revealed to them, still hidden to them, Jesus rebukes these disciples. Now, Jesus is not being unkind. Jesus is our greatest ally. He's our greatest friend. And when he speaks to us and when he rebukes us, he does so to confront us in love and to teach us. He still does that to us today as we, as we listen to him and listen to his word. Look again at verse 25, if you will. He says, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You see, their hope was shattered because they did not believe what God's word taught about Christ, about their Messiah. He calls them foolish ones. Now, this is not the same kind of fool as as the one who believes there is no God. They they believed God. They believed Jesus. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. But again, it it literally means uh, a distorted or a dull perspective, an individual with a dull or distorted perspective. And this is the same hindrance that is described in Hebrews 5.11, where he says, about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Jesus described them here as slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Not only slow to comprehend, but slow to act. They didn't believe and act on all that the Old Testament prophets had spoken concerning Christ. Notice again verse 26. Jesus says, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? They didn't believe what the Bible said about a suffering Savior. You know, this was clearly taught in Scripture, clearly taught in passages such as Psalm 22, clearly taught in Psalm 53 and other passages, or rather Isaiah 53. They were convinced that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, and yet they wanted him to have the crown, but not the cross. And Jesus clarified that the prophets taught that he must suffer first. His sufferings did not disprove his being the Christ, but rather proved it because he fulfilled what was prophesied of him. And it was necessary that he die first for our salvation so that he then could be raised and then enter his glory. Again, as it said, no cross, no crown. Matthew Henry said he could not have been the Savior if he had not been a sufferer. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, the death of a cross. But now he has been exalted at the right hand of the Father. And every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But then third, I want you to see in this passage, Jesus provides the cure for shattered hope. Again, beginning there with verse 27. And the first aspect of this, is, of this cure is that we must see Christ's supremacy in all the Scriptures. Verse 27, as Jesus was there, we see it 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Still unknown to them, Jesus began at Moses. This was on their walk to Emmaus now. He began with Moses or Genesis through the rest of the books of the law on to the prophets. And again, the Bible says he interpreted them to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. One pastor said, I would gladly have traded my seminary education if I could have been there that day on the road to Emmaus to hear this message from the Lord Jesus himself as they walked along, telling them all about himself through all the scriptures. Certainly, he must have begun in Genesis 3.15 where, where God told of the seed of the woman, Jesus, who would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. And then on to Genesis, perhaps 22, 18, where God provided a ram, again, by, to be God's uh, Isaac substitute, picturing the Lord Jesus, our sinless substitute. On to Exodus 12, the Passover lamb, which, which points to Jesus as our Passover lamb. On and on throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Scriptures, page after page from, from the Bible that he knew, that he'd inspired, now giving them, showing them himself in all the Scripture. And then he came to Psalm 16 that describes the Holy One who would not see corruption the, the, the true word concerning the resurrection of Jesus, his bodily resurrection. He taught through all the scriptures the things concerning himself all the way through Malachi. Jesus told some religious Jews in John 5.39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they who bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Do you take Jesus at his word? Are you willing to see him as Scripture reveals him in all the word of God? In their book, Biblical Theology, authors Rourke and Klein write, you won't understand the message of the Bible unless you see that it's all about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is the hero and the point of the story. What's more, you won't understand who Jesus is unless you understand the larger story that's all about him. As Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say, the Bible is a hymn book. It's all about him. But again, as Jesus is, is unfolding his cure for this shattered hope, we see that we must be aware, we must be aware of Christ continual presence. There we see in verse 28 and, and 29, as, as Jesus was finishing his message about himself, they, they arrived at Emmaus, and uh, they were about to head toward their home, and, and Jesus gave indication that he was going to continue. And the Bible says here that they urged him, literally they constrained him to come home with them for a meal. It'd been a long day, and, and he was no doubt tired, and so they, they, they urged him. We see here that, that Jesus came in, that he sat down at the table with them, and typically, of course, as a guest, they would have served him. But we see here that Jesus actually served them. Again, we see here in verse 30, but when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. 
And notice verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And there they were. Can you imagine what's going through their heads? Jesus is alive. It really is Jesus. And then they realize what they just experienced. And they begin to talk about it. Now, again, as we see in verse, verse 32, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Of course, their hearts burned within them because they were in the presence of the living Lord Jesus. Their hearts burned within them also because the Word of God is alive, as we're told in Hebrews 16. It's it's living, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And they knew Him in the midst of that experience through His Word. Aren't we grateful today that we have the living Word of God and that the Word of God is still alive and that God speaks to us in His Word? As we hear His Word, the Lord Jesus speaks to us. To our hearts as well. And on this side of the resurrection, we need to be reminded that as Jesus promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And again, his last words in Matthew 28, 20 are, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The Lord Jesus is with us. And we need to again be aware of his living presence with us today. Third, we see uh, as Jesus is unfolding the cure for this, this, uh, this shattered hope, we, we must share the good news of what Christ has done with others. We see here, here in, in, again in verse uh, 33 how that's exactly what these, these two disciples were about to do. And they rose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They immediately started back to Jerusalem. I'm sure this was a very different trip. It had been a long day. They were tired. This is a, at least a seven-mile journey. And yet I have a feeling their feet hardly touched the ground on the way back as they were anxious to go and tell the other disciples what they'd experienced, how they'd seen the Lord Jesus. And when they arrived, they they find the 11 disciples minus Thomas, and uh, they're about to tell them about their experience. But before they can, the other believers are so excited, they beat them to the draw. Notice again the second part of verse 33. He says, and and they, they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. The Lord is risen indeed. This is the emphatic word. These two Emmaus disciples begin to give their testimony about how this supposed stranger had appeared to them. They didn't know who he was, but he spoke and how he'd spoken to them through all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. But then that it was in that breaking of the bread that they knew him. You see, hope was restored through the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And again, dear friend, we read in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Their hope was alive because Jesus was alive. Our hope is alive today because Jesus is alive. This word living in 1 Peter 1, 3 means actively 
alive. He is alive in us. He energizes us. He enables us because he is our life. The Bible tells us that in Colossians 3, Jesus, who is our life. Jesus is alive. Again, these disciples whose hope had been shattered, at least temporarily, was now alive again. You may be here today, you may be listening, and your hope is shattered. Again, the Bible describes that, that those who are without Christ are without hope. They have no hope. No hope of eternal life in this life or the next. Without Christ, we know only a hopeless end for all eternity. But with Christ as our Lord and our Savior, we rejoice in an endless hope. I want to plead with you today, if, if you're listening and you've never turned from your sin and placed your faith in Christ, I want to invite you to do that because, again, the Bible says it's only through that experience of being born again when we acknowledge our sin, turn from our sin, place our faith and trust in Jesus, only then can we have this living hope. Again, Paul, when he was called, the Lord told him that, that he was going to send him to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. As their eyes were opened to the resurrected living Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God will do that in your heart and life today, that your spiritual eyes will be open, that you'll See your need for Christ, that you will turn from sin, trust in Christ. And we pray for you as believers today whose hope may be struggling as well. Church, as you're struggling through disappointments in your life, that you too would turn to Christ, that your hope would be restored and you would be encouraged today in the presence of the living Lord Jesus. He is alive and he is with us. He was present with these disciples even in the daily routine of the breaking of bread. And one of the things we pray that would come out of even this experience of being at home so much of the time is to realize that Jesus is with us there as well. And as one of our brothers prayed the other day, that we'd realize that worship should be a part of our life, not only in the building, but in our homes and, in our, and wherever we go, that we are worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is with us. Seek his living presence today. Through his living word, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Will you bow with me for prayer? If you found this message helpful, check us out at lucybaptist.com where you can find other resources or learn more about our church. We hope and pray that this message has helped you grow in your knowledge of God and in your relationship with Him.